This episode of the Wedding Film School Show is brought to you by Musicbed, the best music licensing platform for wedding filmmakers. Head over to themusicbed.com and enter our code WFS on checkout to get a free month on your annual wedding subscription. Now, onto the show. If you really want to be in the top tier, you got to have such a hunger and such a passion for this game that it's really like every time you wake up, it's the only thing you're thinking about. What do you think is like the number one things that just like take out young filmmakers? They totally neglect the business and they just put too much focus on the work. They pop up, they're like the most popular filmmakers and literally within two years, they're gone because they never really learned how to run the business. There's gonna be some adversity point in the next first like three years of your business. If you don't push through this point, you are not going to make it. If you're just treating this job as a hobby, you know, your results are gonna be that of a hobbyist. And look, if you think there's some strategy for like overnight success, it just doesn't exist. But at the end of the day, your success is dependent on how much work you're gonna put into this. Well, you have to be every aspect you know, of of your company. The DP, the editor, like I hate editing, Ray. I never want to edit another wedding film in my life. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Wedding Film School Show. My name is Jared Haskell, here again with my co-host, business partner, and buddy, Jason McCutcheon in the house. Jay, how are we doing today? Wonderful. We, um, if you don't know, we do weekly film critiques on the channel. Well, well I almost, know. Almost weekly over on Wedding Film School, not the Wedding Film School show. And um, we had a really fun one today. Um, we had Ray Roman on and he was helping us critique films. It's really cool to hear like his perspective on these things, kind of what he's looking for and what he's thinking. And I was like, hey, let's double dip. So today we have a guest. Ray Roman on the show. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I wish I was in studio, though. It looks cool. You got the neon signs. You got the the matching cups, coffee cups. Yes. What can I say? You guys, uh, it's official. You, you, you guys are high speed, man. <laughs> yeah. You've come a long way. Yeah. What can we say? You know, we're we're just doing yeah. our very best. And honestly, it's funny. Is like, I mean, we we talk about this a lot, kidding around on the show. Like, we don't make money doing this, really. But it's like it's the type of thing where. Um, we just wanted like something to be high end for wedding filmmakers that felt like curated and, and coming from the heart. And for us, like it's a labor of love, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, we moved into this brand new studio and literally spent probably half our money on building it. And uh, (laughs) so it's like, it's good to have your baby that makes all the money and then you can do all the extra fun stuff with the extra money you make. So this is it, man. So appreciate you coming on, dude. How's wedding season shaping yeah, up for you, Ray? It's it's jam packed. Thank God. Totally. Yeah, this year has really taken off. Uh, I raised my price for the first time in five years, so that's been great. And uh, I got really cool couples. I got awesome weddings all year long, so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And if you don't know Ray and haven't heard the name, if you've been living under a rock somewhere as a wedding filmmaker. Ray is essentially the, uh, I would say, the Tom Brady of the wedding filmmaker industry where he's been around forever and he does nothing but win year after year after year. He's been at the top of the industry. I remember, Jay, when we first got in the industry, like we were in the industry 2010, Ray, and you were doing workshops when we first started and you were the OG back then. So it's it's a huge honor to have you on the show today, man. 
Thank you so much, man. Just to, you know, just to be able to keep it going, uh, you know, I'm kind of like a, a, the old salty dog that'll never go away, right? Like, like guys are telling me, like, dude, when are you going to retire already? You know, but I'm, uh, I'm not ready to leave just yet, you know, maybe in a couple of years. But uh, I'm still hungry, man. Like, I just, I still have that burning desire to compete. And, and you know, it is a competition. You know, once you get into the high-end luxury market, it is a competition because you're competing with the best guys in the world. So that, that kind of drives me to be better and to kind of stay in that same arena with those guys. So I, I want to get into something that I've always wanted to ask you, which maybe you've talked about ad nauseum. But, like, so you have a background in military and then policing, right? Um, at some point in your life, you were like, ah, I'm going to do weddings. Like, what was like that transition in your life where you're like, I'm going to go from being a cop to being a luxury wedding filmmaker? <laughs> Dude, I never had that thought cross my mind, not even once, you know? <laughs> so it, it wasn't like, you know, when I found this, I was on a SWAT team. I was a full-time detective. And the last thing on my mind was anything related to the wedding industry, you know? So this just, uh, you know, this really began as a hobby as it did for a lot of people out there. And it just turned into a business. And, you know, I was obviously making a lot more money doing this than I was as a cop. So ultimately I had to retire from that. And, uh, and here I am. How many years you know, did I, you I do both? I missed the old job, uh, 15. So you did both for 15 years? No, no, no. I did. Uh, I did both for about three years. Was it like hitting the tux, like the Tuscany point, while you were still working on the force, or was it like just about to crest into like the luxury? Like what? Like what was like the thing where you're like, okay? No, uh, no, I wasn't near the luxury yet. I was. Uh, I got to about mid high, as I call it. I got to about mid high before I decided. You know, you know what? I just don't have. Ha I don't have enough time in the day to do both full time, you know, be like a full time wedding videographer. And actually, um, it was kind of like the best and worst things that happened to me is being a cop and being a wedding videographer at the same time, because nobody had ever introduced me to this thing called backlog. Right. <laughs> so I was out there shooting 40, 50 jobs a year. Right. <laughs> Until the back, uh, until one day the backlog monster showed up on my doorstep, and I was like, "Oh crap! I gotta deliver all this stuff." So, you know, the the first few years was really tough uh, with the backlog and just getting everything delivered and things like that, and really just finding my niche. Right? Like, do I want to be like a high volume studio or do I want to be more boutique? And of course, like a lot of us, we gravitate towards the boutique because we want to do less work. Yeah, God. God forbid we we don't make, shoot less and get paid more. <laughs> totally. So um, that's great. So Ray, like a couple things that are interesting to me that I want to get into today, and you kind of touched on one of them, which I think is really really important. But before we get into that, I, I was going to ask you because I'm sure this topic comes up a lot as well. But it's like this idea of like longevity, right? I don't know if you've heard the stats on like the industry, right? Like. I think it's like 85% of people who start making wedding films are gone after the first year. And then like it ends up being like 5% of people who start who make it to year three. Like why do you – like you've had a lot of longevity. So speaking towards that, like what do you think is like the number one things that just like take out young filmmakers when they're trying to get started in this industry that like just keep make it so they can't sustain the business? Well, you just said it, the business. 
they totally neglect the business and they just put too much focus on the work, right? So what happens? And I've seen so many of these guys and girls here in South Florida, where I'm from, where they pop up, they're jamming out the cool work. They're, they're like the most popular filmmakers on the knot and wedding wire and all this stuff. And literally within two years, they're gone because they never, they never really learned how to run the business. What happens is they just neglect the business side. You know, they, they don't have a brand. They don't know how to operate a business. And you know, the reality becomes they have really nice work, but nobody knows who they are and how to find them because they have no brand and they know how to run a business, you know? So my experience has been like within two years, these guys are gone. You know, it's year in and year out, the same thing happens. And then, you know, the other thing that happens is if you never know, if you never really learn how to operate a business, your pricing is more or less going to stay the same. But what happens, the demand increases. So now they're doing 50, 60 weddings a year and they're loaded with backlog and they're just not able to apply the same time that they did to the first couple of edits to all 50 or 60 edits. And now probably those brides and grooms are, you know, the couples, they're screaming down their necks because they want their wedding videos and stuff like that. And now they're forced into a situation where they have to just be jamming out these edits and they're not applying the same time that they did to the first couple of videos that made them popular to all these other 50 or 60 wedding videos. And ultimately it just becomes too much. They're not, they're not making enough money to make it make sense. And they probably just go back to their day job. And it's not, you fun know, I would say that, at that point, right. It's not it's, fun anymore to them. No, it's, it's not, it's, it's not fun at that point, you know, and, and look, this job that we do, it's very difficult. You know, it's been difficult for me in times. It's been difficult for you guys in times, you, you know, any successful wedding videographer that's been doing this any length of time that tells you that they haven't struggled at some point, they're lying to you. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all been in the struggle. We've all had to grind and we've all had to learn from, you know, our mistakes. You know, there's no wedding. Well, there is a wedding film school now, but, you know, through you guys. But there is no legitimate like wedding film school that you can go to and you can learn all this stuff. I feel like a lot of this stuff is just trial and error. You know, we're going out, we're making mistakes. We come back home, we look at our mistakes. And then hopefully the next time we go out, we kind of address some of these mistakes that we're doing with our with our, not just the shooting, but also with the business. Because well, a lot of times with your business, yeah, you're putting stuff out there to see if it'll work with the clients. And some stuff works, some stuff doesn't work. You know, so it's just everything's a learning process. Well, you know, it's like but you have first, to learn. You know, the, you have to keep learning. The first couple of years, kind of like you mentioned, like nobody knows what they're doing. Like right. the first couple of years, you're just like, you know, one thing I would say if you're listening to this is like, on some level, it's just about not quitting. On some level, it's just right. not giving up. It's like pushing through that like breaking point where it's like you have 60 edits or you can't get any leads, but you know you're good at filmmaking. There's going to be some adversity point in the next first like three years of your business that's going to be like if you don't like push through this point, you are not going to make it. And I don't know what that is for everybody because, like, some people aren't getting popular, Ray. Like, some people are, like, they shoot one year and they do seven and then they do ten the next year and they do fifth and they're just never picking up any steam. You look at their work, Ray, and it's pretty good. And then I'm like, okay, yeah. like, what's going on? And it's, like, something, like, they're 
their website is broken or their branding is terrible or they don't know any they have no contacts in their area something about is like a point of friction that mm. they need to break through yeah well ray said it best you, it's like you know, what we do is you know, hard you know you have to be every aspect well, you know of, of your company the marketer you have to be yeah it's the dp hard. the editor like i hate editing ray i don't edit at all anymore i never want to edit another one i feel in my life uh, but Caleb is I don't blame a, you. a much better editor than I'll ever be. So it's like, it's difficult, just like you said. It's, look, you have to address all three areas. You know, you, you, you have to be good at your work, good at creating a brand, and good at making relationships with the right people that are going to bring you the jobs that you are aspiring to get. You know, if you don't have the types of clients that can, or, or contacts that can bring you the types of clients that you're looking for, you're just going to be, you know, you're going to be running in circles all day. You know, those those clients are just never going to show up at your door. Um, so you have to be able to do all three. You got to have, uh, you know, uh, good work, good branding and good relationships. Those are the, th the three areas that you should always be looking at are those. Yeah. And if something's lacking in your business, like you don't have the right clients coming in, maybe it's because you don't have the right relationships or maybe your work's just not that good. Maybe you need to address your work. Uh, maybe you need to take like an honest look at your website, your social media. Do you look high end? Do, do you look like the type of vendor that these clients that you want to get are going to be looking for? Mm -hmm. And if your answer is no, then you know that, you know, you kind of know the areas that you need to address. Mm -hmm. uh, we were just talking about longevity a little bit. And, and Jason and I um, did a podcast a few weeks back about um, retiring as a wedding filmmaker and, and with you being, you know, you mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, like you still got years to go, but you mentioned the word retire. Uh, so my question for yeah. you, cause I think you actually probably have probably some of the most, the best insight in the, on this is, uh, you know, do you think that the majority of wedding filmmakers can retire as wedding filmmakers or will they have to move on to something else before they reach that point? Well, I mean, look, no no wedding filmmaker is in this to become a millionaire. <laughs> you know, like, like we, we do it for the love of the game, right? So, you know, you just have to operate your business smart, you know, just like any other business and things like that. And it's really all what you make it. You know, if you're just going to be, uh, if you're going to have like an average mindset mentality, you're going to maybe retire one day with an average amount of money, you know? So it, it all really just depends on your mindset. You know, like I'm going to, I'm going to be able to retire as a wedding uh, cinematographer. Uh, but I have that type of mindset, you know, like I, I feel like I'm at the top of the game right now. I feel like I've been at the top of the game for a while. Um, we make really good money. Um, you know, knock on wood, you know, it's still coming in. Um, you know, thank God I'm still able to, you know, go out there and break my back every week. It's, it's not, um, it's not an easy job for anybody. You know, we've all been to work where, you know, we're, we're sweating like pigs. Uh, we can't even roll out of bed the next day because our back's killing us. You know, we kind of leave it all out there. And, um, and, Isn't and it? you know, we've all been treated like crap. We've oh, all yeah. had to deal with, you know, the photographer thing, uh, stuff like that. So, you know, listen, it's not an easy job for anybody. But through all that, if you want to stay in the game, you, you got to stay hungry. Yeah. You know, that you can't lose the fire because, you know, once you lose the hunger and the fire, um, you know, it's downhill from there. Isn't you it know, interesting? You know, and if you, yeah. So I was like, isn't it interesting, Ray, how 
we there's so much made of being inspired and i think that's important right <clears throat> being inspired and like desire wanting and, and like that and, and I, I was going to ask about that next but how isn't it interesting how much it actually just comes down to grit <laughs> like yeah who's gonna and your ability to grind yeah, yeah. who's you gonna gotta be grind. the grittiest? you gotta grind you gotta yeah i mean it's funny but when I go out and shoot these weddings, believe it or not, I'm not even thinking about my couples. And, 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 you know, this is like a little bit of the sickness that I have. I'm actually thinking of other wedding videographers. So yes. like when I go into somebody's hometown, like for instance, like when I shot the New Zealand wedding, I had never been to New Zealand in my life, but I knew that there's been thousands of wedding videographers that have shot there that live there. Right. And now I know that I'm coming into their turf. And my mindset was like, I can't just go in there and shoot, you know, just an average Joe video. I got to go in there and I got to smash these people. Right. Like that was my mentality. I wasn't even thinking about my couple and what I was going to deliver to them. I'm only thinking about smashing those videographers, you know, like I want to smash them physically or anything like that. But, you know, I use things like that to motivate myself to kind of like keep my fire going you know, cause it's a hunger. And I feel like if you want to be like top level, if you really want to be in the top tier, you got to have such a hunger and such a passion for this game that it's really like every time you wake up, it's the only thing you're thinking about, right? Is getting in there and evolving and, you know, uh, fine tuning your social media, fine tuning your brand, fine tuning your work. Um, that's the real deal. I mean, like you have to be thinking like that. Like if, if you're just treating this job as a hobby, you know, your results are going to be that of a hobbyist. Even you know? if it's just a paycheck, right? Like, Even if you just treat yeah, it like a I paycheck. I mean, like if you're treating, yeah, if you're treating this stuff like you're the lion, like you're the king of the jungle, that's your mindset, man. Like when you go out there and shoot this stuff, man, that's your mindset. Like you're going to accept not, nothing but the best stuff from you and your team. You know, that's the other thing is like, the hard thing is like getting your team on the same page as you because what if they don't have your same level of hunger? You know, then half your film looks really, really strong. The other half looks, you know, kind of weak and things like that. So you know, it's that ability to get in there and kind of like a head coach of a football team. You're getting everybody on the same page. You're getting them motivated. And hopefully everybody's executing. Uh, because if everybody on your team can execute the plan, you know, and you did it the right way, it's going to be strong. Yep. You know, yep. So, man. I, I had no idea that referencing um, Tom Brady and, and comparing you to him would totally turn into an NFL allegory. <laughs> this whole episode is great, man. It's great. Brother. The not yeah. for long, man. Well, he... The NFL. It's, uh, I think it's so much like the wedding industry where it's like so many people start off and it's like they burn out. Either they don't want to do it anymore. They move into another industry. They're just not competitive. And I know now how competitive you are. I know Jason and I are super competitive. Um, Every yeah. single person in the industry, this is what you need to understand. If you're listening to this and you're a young blood and you want my couple, I will crush you. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, that, That's me. That is the way I look at you. You are encroaching on my territory. I will battle you yeah. for and the And if couple. you're like me, hey, Jason, if you're like me, you're on social media and you know the planners that did those events. Yep. And if they chose somebody that stepped on your turf and they didn't get you, yep. it's eating at you. And yep. it almost fuels you 
<laughs> to want to like come out with another edit to just smash everybody to make sure that they don't do that again. If there's that they don't if, make that decision again. If there's a planner who works with another filmmaker that I work with and like, cause let's be honest, almost no planners yeah. we work with only work with us. Like there's times where they work with other people. Yeah. And every time they work yeah, with someone course. else, I'm like, uh, what, what did they have that I don't have? I need to go look, I need to figure this out. Exactly. Like, dude, and I'm, you're proving my point, man. Cause I know you're a hungry lion. It's like, if you don't have that mindset, like where you want to crush everybody, I just feel like you're not going to be able to function at the highest levels. You know, you just won't because the people at the highest levels, they have that mindset. Like they're looking to smash everybody else, including you, uh, including me. Uh, stuff like that. So I'm always thinking about that stuff, you know, and look, I can look around and even if somebody's got really good work, I can identify what their weaknesses are. And, you know, a lot of times it's with their business. Yeah. And if it's with their business and they don't address those issues within a couple of years, they might be completely off the radar in a couple of years. Yep. Yep. Well, I know of filmmakers, sadly, who have had a range of whether personal issues or just business issues, various things in their life who are top tier skills wise, who even have maybe established certain relationships who like you, they should be ascending. I guess what I'm really getting at is <clears throat> my question to you, Ray, is like, should, do you really think everyone, like, what do you feel about like kind of the education side of the market where they're trying to push everyone and they're basically saying like, Essentially, everyone try to be a luxury filmmaker, try to get these luxury clients. Like, do you, how does that, how does that sit with you when you know how hard it is to kind of hold on to that, um, that brass ring, so to speak? It's all BS. You know, any, look, anybody, anybody that's telling anybody that they're going to be a luxury filmmaker or they have a chance to be a luxury filmmaker is full of BS because I'm going to tell you right now, 99 point what do you think jason 99.5 percent of the wedding industry will not ever be like the highest end of the wedding industry. i believe i'm talking about like the Ray, top, i believe the top of the top of the top i believe 0.3 percent of couples will spend more than ten thousand dollars on a wedding film in america there you go so you know, this idea that, you know, anybody can make it into the luxury uh, wedding market, it's just total BS, you know, and it, and it, look, it's really just dependent on the person or persons, right? Like part of the company. If you're willing to really outgrind 99% of the wedding industry, I feel like your, your chances are pretty good, you know, but most people just aren't, they aren't really willing to give it all they got to outgrind absolutely everybody in the industry and really to uh, kind of create stuff. Like, I feel like I create stuff that, you know, like say a planner goes to like 10 websites and then they land on mine. I, I feel like that their impression is like, wow, I haven't seen anything like this. Like I've been to 10 websites and I haven't seen any anything like this person's stuff. And that's what I strive for. It's just to be different. Uh, you know, I want to be different than any, everybody else as, as much as I can. And that's what I really push myself to do is to just be uh, different than anybody else. Because 
the, the, you know, the reality is these planners, they have hundreds of videographers they could choose from, but what separates you? Like, like why do you deserve 20 grand? Right. Exactly. Over the person that's, you know, over the person that's right behind you that has really nice work that's charging six. Like, why should we pay you 20? So I feel like at some point you've got to be able to justify that separation in price, uh, stuff like that. And it's all about your work. It's all about being different. It's all about this idea that you want to create in people's heads that you are a luxury filmmaker, you know, a luxury wedding vendor. And, and you know, it's not just the work. It's going to be everything they look at. Because I'm going to tell you right now, like, if you end up like at a conference, like one of these high-end conferences, like Engage, which people are hearing a lot about, if you end up there and you make a contact with one of these luxury planners, the first thing they're going to do, they're not even going to look at your work. They're going to go right to your website. They're going to see what it kind of like, how it makes them feel. And they're going to go to your social media channels. They're going to go to your Instagram and they're going to see if you're a true luxury wedding filmmaker, right? Without even clicking on any video, they're just going to look at the visuals. And if they see the visuals and they're like, wow, this person is doing some high end stuff. Let me click on here. And then they're going to click on your work. But if they go to, if they go to your social media channels and they're just seeing pictures of you and your dog, and then like a pic, you know, a video of you in your backyard and, and then some, you know, low to mid range uh, wedding video uh, on your post, they're just going to navigate away and you're never going to get a phone call. That's realistically speaking. Well, and, and by the know, way, so there's like, if you're shooting those weddings and you yeah. don't want to be high end or you never get that yeah. kind of lucky opportunity to get into the right wedding initially, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. It's just to say like the chances no. where what I think Ray's trying to do is illustrate like how actually set against you the deck is yeah. to get into the top of the game. Yeah. It's not easy. It's totally set against you. Yeah, it's it's definitely not easy. And look, you just can't rush the process. You know, I've always said that you cannot rush this process. Like if you think there's some strategy that you can use for like overnight success, like over overnight into the luxury market, it just doesn't exist. I'm gonna tell you that. As long as your business, look, as long as your business, your work and the money you're bringing in year over year is going this way and not this way, you're on the right path. There, that's a really good point, Ray, because a lot yeah. of people I think are not looking at the trajectory of their business. They're just kind of looking at where they are today. I do a lot of coaching. I'm sure you do a lot of coaching, right? And people are always asking me, like, they're like, this year I'm not making enough money. What can I do? And I always tell them, like, unfortunately, like, I'm not sure you can do much. It's except it's January. Yeah. Like, 70% of couples have already booked their filmmaker. You know, if you really need to make money this year, you're going to have to go and compete at the bottom of the market pretty much. Like, like, but if you want to compete in three and years. And that'll hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if you want to compete and in three years, you need to do this stuff for the next three years. No matter what the results are, you like you need to actually. So I've seen you ask this question or make this statement a few times, Ray, about like, um, hey, are you top three in your market? Um, right. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? How does someone know if they're top three in their market? Because I think that was one of the things you said <laughs> that for us that we were like, huh, are we? And we like went and actually like used that as a measuring stick for our own brand, and actually it helped so, us a lot. So here's the thing. Uh, you know, I'm in South Florida, 
And I can tell you just looking around and, and not, not just the work again, you know, it's, it's the work, the brand and the relationships, right? When I look around in South Florida, there's nobody close to me, you know, and you should be able to have that same feeling. And look, I'm being kind. I'm being very kind when I tell people that they should be like, you know, uh, consider themselves like the top three to five wedding videographers in their market. It's really the top one or two, because, you know, when rich people come to town and they want to get married, they're not asking for, you know, who's the top three wedding videographers in town. They don't do that. The only thing they tell their planner is, unless their planner, they said, who's the best wedding videographer in town? Not the top three, the best. So, so really, if, if you really want real success, you got to be like the top, you got to be the top dog in town. Like everybody's got to know you as the top person in town, literally. Look, in, in my hometown in South Florida, there's top floors, there's top entertainment companies, there's top photographers. There's, you know, uh, top cinematographers, and I'm not the only one. You know, there's a couple other people in town that do end events, uh, things like that. You think I'm much better, but that's just me, uh, stuff like that. Uh, but you're going to have to be uh, legitimately considered in your area, top one or two. How does somebody know, you though? Know? Like, what would you say, like, is it just a feeling or are there some metrics or things that you would use to evaluate, like, am I a top well, tier like well, vendor in my area. Yeah, I mean, look, you have to look at it like this. You, and here's here's an example I'll give you. Imagine if I had the best work in Miami, but nobody knew who I was because I didn't have a brand. Uh, I didn't know how to run a business and things like that. These people that maybe have, um, you know, uh, second tier or third tier work they may get those jobs over me because they have better relationship with uh, better relationships with planners that are bringing them better jobs. You know, things that, that's why I feel like all three areas are important. You know, your work, your brand and your relationships, you know, but um, I don't know, like, look, Jason, Jason, you're wearing Boston. Yeah. I'm sure you can look around in Boston and you're probably able to determine based on, those three things well, that you're probably one of the, you know, you're one of the one, two or three. In I will tell you, Ray, I'll extend what you said. Cause I'm a, like, I'm a pragmatic person, right? So I want like specifics. So after you said that, I said, okay, how do I determine if I'm a top three? So I, I said, okay, okay, who are the top planners? Do I work with them? Yeah. What are the top venues? Exactly. Do I work with them? Then I go, what were the top five events in the year that were not a like a Marcy Bloom or something where they're coming from like out of town and like they have nothing to do with New England. They just and they're bringing to... somebody in. Yeah. yeah. They, am I working those events? And we were like, yes, 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 yes. Like well, who's published the most? We get published. Like, yeah. like some metrics that you can look at are like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I would say when you said that, Ray, yeah. we were like immediately I was like, well, do we make as much money as – anyone or more money. And we were like, yeah, we, I think we do just because we are doing volume, like quality volume, but average sale too. But, but, and then average sale as well. But then also we looked and we we're like, are we working with the planners that we want to be working with every single weekend? And I think we we're like, no, I don't think, to, I think that that's an area we that we could grow. Um, and now I can look yeah. at it and be like, honestly, if we're not 
number one, maybe we're competing with one other person. And I still know we make a lot more money than they do. Uh, so, but, 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 but again, like that's your feeling, right? Like yeah. That's your internal feeling based on those yeah. things. It's the same with me. It's yeah. my personal, yeah. feeling. you know, there's, there, there's not like a legitimate ranking system or anything like that. But as I look around and look, we've all been in the industry a while and we know what to look for. So I look for those things in myself and the surrounding market. Uh, so it's a feeling, you know, like I, I just have a feeling like, look, I know there's a few people uh, in South Florida that are, you know, they're, they're pretty good and things like that. I just don't think that they put all three things together. Hmm. The total right? package. And I, and I, yeah, like the total package. And, and look, you know, over time, you know, once you get really good at this, over time, it's not really going to be the big things that you can do to kind of change up your business. It's the little things, you know, it becomes smaller and smaller. It's it, it's kind of like fine tweaks that over time that you're going to do to your business, your brand, your relationships, your work, you know, everything. Like I said, like as long as your path is going like this with your work, brand and business, you're fine over time. It's when it's going like this that, you, you know, you have some issues that you need to address. Even when it's flatlining, you know. So, so if it's, if it's flatlining, you know what, if you're flatlining, if you're stuck, it's because you can, you're not evolving anymore. You haven't been evolving at all. You haven't been evolving your work and you haven't been evolving your business. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the only reason to flatline. You know, if you're going like this, you're going out of business. If you're going like this, I say, don't rush the process because as your work gets better, the brand gets bigger. And as the brand gets bigger, more people will notice, you know, and, and that's where you get really special uh, relationships going with the right planners, uh, things like that. So everything's relative, you know, it, you know, as you work, like I said, as the work gets better, the brand gets bigger, as the brand gets bigger, more people will notice uh, stuff like that. But that's something that happens over time. You know, that the popularity stuff, especially internationally, that's going to be something that happens over time. It, it wasn't like that for me, um, you know, always, you know, that's something that I had to build to. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So Ray, I'm, I'm a little conflicted in, in terms of like how to give people advice who are working themselves up there, because on one end we're saying like, yeah, the luxury market, like if you want to be a luxury wedding filmmaker, you're going to have to deal with people at the top of the market, like Ray Roman and Ray Roman wants to destroy you and tear you into little pieces. Right. Um, and, and, yeah. and so it, it's obviously hard to get to that point. We're talking about just hard. It is to be a wedding filmmaker in general, never mind trying to compete for that top tier market. Um, so the only other way I could see a lot of wedding filmmakers kind of making it to a higher tier would be, that the industry is just growing in that luxury market. So would you say that the, that part of the industry is growing, that there are more opportunities than ever as a luxury filmmaker? Is that is it decreasing after COVID? Like, where do you find that market to be uh, in, in 2023? Um, I feel like I feel like the window is closing. But I also believe there's a big window. You know, so I believe it's closing in that um, there's a lot of there's a lot of wedding filmmakers out there that have gotten savvy enough to, uh, you know, kind of embed themselves with the right people, the right planners. Um, you know, they go to these conferences, like I said, maybe they're, you know, they're going to the engages of the world 
and uh, they're, they're making the right relationships. Now, here's where I think the window is open. I don't feel like a lot of those guys are that good. You know, I just feel like they've done a really good job making the relationship. I feel like they've done a really good job with the branding and and kind of like what you're seeing on their social media channels, what you're seeing on their websites. Sometimes you go to the websites and it's not even real weddings. It's like styled shoots, but they look high end because, you know, it's at a high end place. They got models. They got beautiful people. And it, and it looks the part of like luxury, you know, but I, I feel like if you if so, if people come in and they're able to do um, like the branding stuff, make it look high end, social media channels, make it look high end. And you've got high end work and you can basically uh, outdo those filmmakers. I feel like you have an opportunity, but, but again, like the percentage of people that are going to be able to break into the luxury market, it's going to be small, but it's not impossible. Like, like most people think about it. Most people that you talk to in any market in America, any city of any state, ask them to name you the top, the top seven wedding filmmakers in that market. They will not even be able to name three. So what does that tell you? There's a window there, you know, like you could easily become like one of the top five in your area. And then maybe over time, you're like the top three, little more time, maybe you're top two. And depending on your hunger level and, you know, how willing you are to outgrind everybody else, maybe you're going to be the top dog, you know, but it's going to take some time. You and know, you got to kind of take some time. I think you got to like create your own luck, right? Like you have to be ready for luck. Like, like yeah, you, well, you got to be able to, I don't think it's luck. I think it's this. I think the longer that we do this, we're, we're put in situations where, you know, we have to problem solve because we're constantly dealing with monkey wrenches at these events, right? When you end up on a luxury event, there's going to be 10,000 monkey wrenches that you're going to have to deal with. But I feel like all these events before have prepared you for the big show. Yep. But it's all about how you handle the big show. And then here's the other thing I want to tell you guys, because this is really important. And I've heard this. I've heard this first thing from wedding planners mouths. Are you ready for this? Shoot it. This is this is huge. And this is straight out of their mouths. You may not be on their job because you're the best at what you do. You may be on that job because you give them peace of mind, knowing that it's going to go off without a hitch. There's going to be no problems and there's going to be no complaints from the client. A luxury wedding planner would much prefer to have on their team somebody that they know is not going to give them any headaches, is not going to screw anything up, and is not going to cause any client complaints or problems, right? And they would rather that than taking a gamble on somebody that they heard is the best in the world. Okay. There's yes. just too much on the line. You're talking about you're talking about luxury planners that are dealing with a multi-million dollar budget that they cannot screw up. You are a direct reflection of that luxury planner that's referring you. And if something goes wrong with you, they're running to the planner. And the planner doesn't want to deal with that crap. Not a luxury planner. No. You know, so you, that's one thing to bear in mind is is being able to give these planners peace of mind that you're not going to screw up that job.
Yep. And that, you know, that's that, why you'll see, uh, like, Jason, you've seen it. You've seen like luxury wedding events and they're like, oh my God, why did they have the first? Why did they have, they're not the best at what they do, but they're there and they're probably constantly there sometimes, right? But it's because of the peace of mind thing. Well, it ultimately comes down to kind of something we've all referenced and we talk about it a lot on the show. The higher stakes the event, the less important the filmmaker is. And I know that seems weird because you'd think you'd be like, oh, I want to work with people who value wedding films. And I think that's a different niche maybe on the market is like someone who has like an elopement video and they pay $8,000 for a filmmaker and they're not doing anything else. I personally don't think that's a very targetable market segment. I think there's people are very few and far between. But when you get into anywhere from like, I like to look at it as a per guest spend is like anything that's like a over $1,500 per guest. A lot of these are $5,000 per guest that they're spending at the event. When you're talking 200 people and it's spending like $3,000 a guest, like Jared and I are on $600,000 events all the time. These people, they're spending a lot of money on these events, all these elements, and they want to interact with all of them. They don't want me to spend an hour with me walking around on their wedding day. You just, so it really comes down to like at that part of the market, who's going to show up and turn the five minutes I give them into gold and who's going to yeah. ask me for 40 minutes. And that planner well, is, is going to be like, screw that person. I'm never working with again. They screwed up the rest of my event. They made the couple late. Like, yeah, it's, you, let me tell you, it's, it's, it's the little things that can get you the boot from that circle. And once you get the boot from the circle, good luck getting back in. Oh, <laughs> you know? I, so yeah. it's, it's very touchy territory. Uh, I, 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 I tell you a little story. I had a, yes, I had a wedding with this photographer and, and we were working with a luxury planner and the luxury planner almost always chose this photographer that I didn't think was, you know, I didn't think it was anything special. I thought this one photographer was phenomenal. And he ended up getting a job with me and the planner. And the planner's comment to me afterwards was never again, only because this photographer was just doing so much more with the couple. You know, she kind of, she saw it as you know, monkey wrench in the schedule. He needed all this time with the couple. And like, you know, it kind of like, it threw off her game, right? Like, like, like these people are used to doing events a certain way. And as soon as they get somebody in there that's twisting schedules and like, you know, creating more than it has to be. Um, she was just turned on by that and she never recommended the guy again. And he did a phenomenal job. I mean, like, he definitely outshot anything this other star had ever done. Um, but that just goes to show you that, you know, when you get in there, you don't really want to make uh, yourself too obvious. You kind of just want to be in there, make your money, do your job, and get out. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, which is kind of like, I think, the opposite of what a lot, a lot of people, they want to really leave their mark. They want to make it about themselves. Yeah. And that's a huge mistake. You don't want to make it about you. Make it about the couple. Just literally get in there, do your thing as a professional, and get out. Hmm. You know, if you can get out of one of these luxury events, especially the chaotic ones, right? Um, you know, in one piece, and you can still be getting referred for other jobs. 
man, just live with that, you know, just create whatever you could create based on the circumstances. And that's it. Like, don't make any waves while you're there. That, that'd be, that'd be the biggest mistake you could do. Yeah. Ray, I, I would say, you know, learning about the luxury industry and I, I wouldn't say Jay and I do luxury no. weddings where we're doing anything above probably $15,000. That's probably like our, our ceiling and our sale. Yeah. For, for, yeah. Sale. Um, the thing that, which is great money, yeah, by the way. Great, great. I mean, we're we're happy. I mean, you know, we're we're going. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean like, you tell me. You know, sometimes I feel like we get uh, so caught up into pricing and pricing this and how much we made and things like that, and, and we really lose sight of reality. Yeah. I don't lose sight of reality because I used to be a cop, right? So I, I know that every two weeks, I used to take home after taxes like seventeen hundred bucks. Okay, in two weeks. So imagine being able to make ten or fifteen thousand dollars twice a month. Man, that's twenty or thirty thousand dollars a month, man. Like that just blows my mind. To be your and own boss, you too. It's like, everything. Yeah, and you get to like, play with cameras, <laughs> play with cameras, yeah. party with people for a living. It's awesome. <laughs> it's yeah, I don't look. I, I don't care if you're making six thousand dollars. Yeah, an event. If you do that twice a month, that's $12,000 a month. Yeah. Like you have nothing to be upset or depressed about. That is a lot of money. Yeah. You're making you know, 144K I mean, a year. Yep. Yeah. Like we make good money doing this and it's not bad, man. Like we, I leave my house like once a week, you know, once every two weeks to go, you know, break my back at one of these events and things like that. But it, man, if you, if you can do this job right and you can deal with, you know, all the stresses that we have to deal with and breaking our back and, and things like that, um, it's not a bad job. You know, it's not a bad job, especially if you have that mindset. You know, if you've got like a, a really hungry mindset and you're willing to grind and you're willing to grow your business the right way, uh, you know, this can turn into something really special for a lot of folks out there. And, and you don't necessarily have to be. Uh, you don't have to be in the luxury market. I mean, your business model can be like, you need to be in the mid-range market. That's fine. We know people, look, I know a guy, he just retired, by the way, a couple of years. He retired a multi-millionaire. And this guy only targeted the mid-range. Yep. You know what I mean? But he was doing high volume. But he ran his business right and he retired a millionaire. Yep, yep. I, I think it's, you know, it's possible in, in any bracket. Like Jay and I are testament. Like I would say like we're probably in that like, I would say high end, not luxury. That's a totally different thing. But even in the high end market, the thing that I have learned and, and kind of now we're pretty much exclusively, I would say high end uh, volume. Um, but the whole world revolves around the wedding planner. I, I think a lot of wedding filmmakers think like, I get to a certain point, the bride and groom will find out about my work, they'll love me, and then they'll hire me onto whatever wedding that they're they're throwing. And it really, doesn't work like that, right? It's like everything runs through the wedding planner. So, uh, what percentage? I wouldn't would say everything. Yeah. I would okay. Say, look, I would say it's like a third, a third, and a third. Okay. Right? Yeah. I was because gonna ask you. Yeah. I, I feel like I get a third from Instagram, yeah. a third from planners, and a third from repeat. You know, like uh, referrals, friends or family of like past clients, like referrals and things like that. So, I wouldn't say like it's all wedding planners. But they're definitely an important part of the overall picture, right? That's why I said like you can't you can't neglect social media because I'm going to tell you right now, Instagram is huge. Mm -hmm. And I I will tell you this, 
There's not a single luxury planner, high-end planner in the world that doesn't have their eyeballs glued to Instagram most of the day. They're all on there. You know, they're all on there. They're all liking stuff. They're all posting stuff. And and, and once you sort of figure out like the who's who of the wedding industry, and you're kind of like, you're tied into their social media accounts, you'll see all the same big players, you, you know, liking these accounts, you know, commenting here, commenting there. And, and you start to know who these planners are. And I'm telling you, like, I follow the circles around and I make sure that I follow certain people because I'm like, you know, what? they're in the high end circle. And then what happens sometimes is I go to like my notif notifications and I notice that they followed me back. So I'm like, okay, there's another one in the bag. And if, if they follow me back, they probably glanced at my social media. And if they clicked on a video, I might really be in now. Right. So, you know, everything that you do has to be really methodical. That's, that's, that's why I said, like, don't neglect the website. Don't neglect social media. Don't only focus on your work because that's not going to get you there. Yep. Um, so I was going to kind of, we're kind of getting towards the end, Ray. And so I wanted to ask you just about something that I hear you say a lot, which is like, you'll always be like, basically like, oh man, oh that that's not cool that that that's they're not doing nothing like like kind of just this idea of like it's got to be cool like it's got you were talking about being different everything's got to be different everything's you're yeah. always trying to push right like yeah what do you think is like and maybe you're being a little nostradamus here but like what do you think is like the next cool trend in wedding filmmaking? Like, what are you seeing right now that's like exciting you? Either you're doing or some other people are doing in wedding filmmaking, because you know you got some perspective on that. It's all been done before, you know. Like, like everything that people think is cool now, it it was done ten years ago, but everybody started doing it ten years ago, and it got old, so they started doing something different, you know. So it's just like. It keeps rolling like this, man. I, I promise you there's nothing that you're seeing now that wasn't done 10, 12 years ago. You know, it's all the same stuff. But here's the thing. You just got to push yourself to be different. You, you know, if there's, if there's something out there that you're looking at that's inspiring you, that's perfect. You know, like even try to emulate some stuff. But instead of copying the stuff, maybe take the idea and do something different to make it your own. Because then, then you own it, right? And I feel like if you continuously go out and you and you think like that and you execute like that, over time, you're going to find yourself just leaps and bounds better, better than like most people that are just going out there copying whatever they see online, right? Like, and, and I also feel like right now, the industry hasn't evolved much in the last, I'd say, like four years. You, you're like, there's nothing that really, you know, besides like, um, you know, obviously like, like, uh, like sculpting with time, you know, they started coming out with some, 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 some really nice edits, some really well thought out stuff that I thought was really cool. But um, outside of that, and then what happens, like everybody starts copying that. Yeah. So then that yep. gets old. And then like, I, I don't even know that they're doing anything different. You know what I mean? But, I only know them by like what I initially saw, which was really cool. And then everybody was copying that. And now they're switching to like, um, what is it like bottle brush film type of thing? You know, like we were doing on the film. Everybody has a yellow and text at like, the beginning yeah. of their video. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, Man, I've seen this like 50 times already. right? 
So, you know, look, I'm looking for the people that are looking to be different. You know, like you can't copy, like you can't even look similar to um, all these other wedding videographers, because if you look similar um, and that's all clients are seeing, they're going to they're going to be choosing wedding videographers based on best price. And we don't want to be in that situation as an industry. You know what I mean? Like we want to, we want people making decisions based on best work, mm. uh, stuff like that, like stuff that they haven't seen before. Like, wow, this really blew me away. I haven't seen anything like this in my life. So, you know, and, and here's the thing, here's the difficult part of what we do. You ready for this? Every weekend, like this weekend, do you have a wedding? Do we have a wedding this week? We have a photo booth. <laughs> <laughs> no wedding. Oh, you got a photo booth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> listen, we're going to have a wedding this weekend, and so there's like 100,000 wedding videographers out there, right? So what's going to happen this weekend? We're all going to show up, and we're all going to be done with the same exact ingredients, right? There's going to be, uh, you know, a bride getting dressed, groom getting dressed, or, you know, another groom and another bride or whatever. Like you, maybe you have a first look. Maybe you have some candidates, a ceremony, speeches, and a party. Right. So at the end of the day, when we come back to our studio, we all have across the board, it's like an even playing field. We, we all have the same ingredients. And what did we do with the ingredients? Well, like, let me, let me, let me contextualize it, Ray, because, yeah. Yeah. because like you were telling me, oh, I was like, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm going to Mayakoba. I was like, oh, I love Mayakoba. The, and then I, I asked you, Rosewood or Banyan Tree? And you're like, I think it's Banyan yeah. Tree. And I was thinking immediately about a film Henry shot in Banyan Tree. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I wonder if Ray's going to do better. Like, well, you know, now, now that you told me that, <laughs> I, my, my brain is so sick that I'm going to go find that video. Yeah. I'm going to fly to but Henry, it's like, beat but him it, with but a it, stick. But <laughs> just be like, it's good. I got to smash Henry now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be my motivation this weekend. You know, you got to find something that gets you and like just hungry and wanting to like smash everybody. Right. Um, and that's going to be my thing. I'm going to find this uh, Banyan tree video by Henry. And I got to make sure that I smash this well, thing but out it's of like, the water. Because you're both go, in the same place. Henry, right. And you're having the yeah. same ingredients and who's going to cook it best. Sorry, you're breaking up real bad, Ray. Oh, hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You hear me now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Continue. What about what about now? Perfect. What about now? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So look, if I don't if I don't go out there and smash this better than Henry, he's gonna have full bragging words, right? Yeah. And he's gonna be pounding his chest. I kicked Ray Roman's ass. Things oh, like man. that, and I can't let that happen, you know. So. So look, whatever you look, that's my point. Whatever you got to do to get yourself up, get yourself hungry, and just wanting to smash everybody, dude. When you get back to your studio, look, whether or not I beat Henry or not, I think I'm going to. I'm going to smash his ass. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> even if I don't, I know that going into this wedding with this level of hunger, my chances are going to be good. And and whatever to come back to the studio with, I'm going to be happy with. <laughs> Yeah, and that's just it, you know. But but you need something else to get you up, man. Because every weekend we're going out and we're filming the same, and we need something to get us up, right, and get us like pumped up and motivated and hungry and wanting to smash everybody that's out there. Because at the end of the day, look, you're in competition 
with other wedding videographers that may be cooking up better meals than you. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like people go, what's your why? And I think like a lot of people like they want to shy away from the competitive side because they think it feels mean. And so they'll say like, my why is like inspiring couples or my why is this or my why is that? I just never buy it, man. I never buy it. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. But, but it's also bullshit. It's not true. Like like, if you talk to the most like artsy fartsy filmmaker out there, guess what they're doing? They're on yeah. Instagram looking at everyone else's work too, saying in their head, even though they might not, it might not come out of their mouth, they might not talk shit on a podcast, but they're going on. They're like, I'm going to do better than him. I want to do something well, different that, than that, that the person. The truth is, blah, is like, blah, blah. if you're saying that, thing. if you're saying that your why is inspiring couples or yeah. telling heritage stories or some crap like that, that's marketing. You say that to the couples yeah, and you say that to the person you want to yeah. sell a workshop to because nobody wants to buy a workshop from someone who's like, I want to smash you, except for Ray. But but like, I just know in general, like we're giving you the real stuff on this, which is, this is actually how successful people think to a person. No one who, there's probably a few outliers who are just so good and like just something happened and they got lucky. But I'm telling you like the people who have longevity who are successful are competitive and they want to win. Like, and I, and I really think like, dude, you know, what's great. You know, what's crazy. And I'll tell you guys something is, you, you know, I have this level of hunger and I want to smash everyone, but since 2010, and you can ask anybody that's ever gone to one of my workshops, I've been teaching wedding videographers. Absolutely. Every single thing that I do. Right. No secrets. I show them absolutely everything I do. And it's almost like a challenge. Like I'm challenging them like, dude, now you know every single thing that I do, go out there and do it. Beat me. Beat and that's me. where it comes down to the hunger. Yeah. Like, like, like you have the tools now. Let's do it. Like if you truly have the hunger and you truly got the desire to be on top, What's stopping you? You're like the ju- you're, you're like the sensei inside the kung fu place who like uh, every day you're yeah, like yeah, yeah, fighting yeah. the same guy and every day you just one punch him in the chest and then- <laughs> yeah right, right, right. you get him really so look at the end of the day it's going to come down to you you know do you really want this you know do you really want this um you know, dream that you have, you know, to become, you know, a luxury wedding filmmaker, or maybe you don't have a dream to become a luxury wedding filmmaker. Maybe you just want to conquer the middle market and that's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, your success is dependent on how much work you're going to put into this. That's awesome. Well, I think that's a great place to kind of end it guys. Thank you so much, Ray, for coming on. You got a workshop coming up. We kind of teased it a little. Why don't you tell everybody about the workshop? So I have, again, I have a workshop coming up April 17th, 2023 in a month in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's going to be phenomenal. I'm going to be teaching these wedding film, uh, filmmakers everything that I do, all my strategies. I'm going to reveal all my gear. I'm going to show my full wedding film. Like I, I literally expose it all. And it's like a challenge. It's like, you know, you know what I do now. You know how I do it. Now it's on you to do it. Um, so if anybody else wants to sign up, go to weddingfilmschool.com. It's not affiliated with the wedding film school. 
but it's just a place to sign up and register for the workshop. Yeah, that's great. And and it's and it's very affordable, guys. I mean, you're talking what, like two hundred bucks, Ray? It's it's four hundred. Four hundred. Even at four hundred is still very affordable for what you're getting. Uh, bucks. Look, it's so it's so cheap to be able to attend a workshop where somebody's walking you through every step of what you need to do to reach the highest level. It's it, it's so grossly underpriced, but somebody's doing this stuff for the money. Hey, I honestly want to give back to the community. We've been giving back to the community since 2010. It's like 12, 13 years now. And I love doing it. I love the camaraderie. I love 40 guys, you know, guys and girls coming in. And we're able to, like, you know, we, we even have, like, a, a, a pre-workshop day, a filmmaker hangout. So we all hang out. We eat. We drink. We're having a good time. And it's just, uh, it, it's a great experience. Super cool. So head over there, sign up. If you enjoy this podcast, uh, what can people do, Jared? Oh, first of all, you can uh, subscribe uh, anywhere you find podcasts, as well as on both of our YouTube channels. We have uh, Wedding Film School, the YouTube channel where we do all the youtube stuff, normal tutorials, gear reviews, and whatnot. And then our other YouTube channel is the Wedding Film School Show, which is this podcast that you're listening to. So like, comment, subscribe, all the things that help us with the algorithm. We don't ask for money. We just ask for your attention. <laughs> so hopefully this Love episode, yeah, hopefully this episode has been not helpful for you. I know it's been helpful for me, Ray. Thank you so much for coming on the Wedding Film School. Yeah, man, show. my pleasure. Yeah, and uh, my we'll pleasure, see. brother. Thanks for having me. Yep. Uh, I look forward to doing it again sometime. All right, man. Have a have a great day, guys. Thanks for checking us out. <laughs>